Chapter Eight, Part One of the Curious Lore of Precious Stones. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Curious Lore of Precious Stones by George Frederick Kuntz. Chapter Eight on the High Priest's Breastplate, Part One. Very early and very naturally, the religious nature of man led to the use of precious stones in connection with worship, the most valuable and elegant objects being chosen for sacred purposes. Of this mode of thought, we have a striking instance in the accounts given, in the book of Exodus, of the breastplate of the high priest, and the gems contributed for the tabernacle by the Israelites in the wilderness. Another religious association of such objects is their use to symbolize ideas of the divine glory, as illustrated in the visions of the prophet Ezekiel, and in the description of the new Jerusalem in the book of Revelation. Apart from such legitimate uses, however, gems have become associated with all manner of religious fancies and superstitions, traces of which appear in the Talmud, the Quran, and similar writings. They have also been dedicated to various heathen deities. Even in modern times, some trace of the same ideas remain in the ecclesiastical jewelry and its supposed symbolism. In the vision of Ezekiel, chapter 1, verse 26, and in a brief allusion to the similar appearance of the God of Israel, in Exodus, chapter 24, the throne of Jehovah, or the pavement beneath his feet, is compared to a sapphire, and the Apostle John, in the Apocalypse, describes the great white throne as surrounded by a rainbow like an emerald. The rabbinical writings, instead of the simple grandeur of these biblical comparisons, give us many fanciful ideas. The stones of the breastplate are here represented as sacred to twelve mighty angels who guard the gates of paradise, and wondrous tales are told of the luminous gems in the tent of Abraham and the ark of Noah. Mohammedan legend represents the different heavens as composed of different precious stones, and in the Middle Ages, these religious ideas became interwoven with a host of astrological, alchemistic, and medical superstitions. The following is the description of the breastplate given in Exodus, chapter 28, verses 15 to 30. And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twine linen, shalt thou make it. Four square it shall be, being doubled, a span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond and the third row a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst, and the fourth row a barrel, and an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. And the stone shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate chains at the ends of wreathen work of pure gold, and thou shalt make upon the breastplate two rings, and shalt put the rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And thou shalt put the two wreathen chains of gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the two wreathen chains thou shalt fasten in the two ouches, and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. 
and thou shalt make two rings of gold and thou shalt put them upon the two ends of the breastplate in the border thereof which is in the side of the ephod inward and two other rings of gold thou shalt make and shalt put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath toward the forepart thereof over against the other coupling thereof above the curious girdle of the ephod and they shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof unto the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue that it may be above the curious girdle of the ephod and that the breastplate be not loosened from the ephod and aaron shall bear the names of the children of israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the lord continually and thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the urim and the thummim and they shall be upon aaron's heart when he goeth in before the lord and aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of israel upon his heart before the lord continually of the miraculous quality of the stones worn by the high priest the jewish historian josephus thirty seven to ninety five a d says from the stones which the high priest wore these were sardonyxes and i hold it superfluous to describe their nature since it is known to all there emanated a light as often as god was present at the sacrifices that which was worn on the right shoulder instead of a clasp emitting a radiance sufficient to give light even to those far away although the stone previously lacked this splendor and certainly this in itself merits the wonder of all those who do not out of contempt for religion allow themselves to be led away by a pretense of wisdom however i am about to relate something still more wonderful namely that god announced victory in battle by means of the twelve stones worn by the high priest on his breast set in the pectoral for such a splendor shone from them when the army was not yet in motion that all the people knew that god himself was present to their aid for this reason the greeks who reverence our solemnities since they could not deny this call the pectoral logton or oracle however the pectoral and the onyxes ceased to emit this radiance two hundred years before the time when i write this because god was displeased at the transgressions of the law this writer who must have seen the high priest wearing his elaborate vestments says that the breastplate was adorned with twelve stones of exceptional size and beauty a decoration not easily to be acquired on account of its enormous value however these gems were not merely rare and costly they also possessed wonderful and miraculous powers writing about four hundred a d saint epiphanius bishop of constantia tells of a marvellous adamas which was worn on the breast of the high priest who showed himself to the people arrayed in all his gorgeous vestments at the feast of pashka pentecost and tabernacles this adamas was termed the delosis or declaration because by its appearance it announced to the people the fate that god had in store for them if the people were sinful and disobedient the stone assumed a dusky hue which portended death by disease or else it became the color of blood signifying that the people would be slain by the sword if however the stone shone like the driven snow then the people recognized that they had not sinned and hastened to celebrate the festival there seems to be little doubt that this account is nothing more than an elaboration and modification of the passage in josephus evidently the logton or oracle of josephus has become the delosis or declaration when moses wished to engrave on the stones of the breastplate the names of the twelve tribes of israel 
he is said to have had recourse to the miraculous shamir the names are first traced in ink on the stones and the shamir was then passed over them the result being that the traced inscriptions became engraven on the stones in proof of the magical character of this operation no particles of the gems were removed in the process the name really designates emery an argument against the use of especially rare and costly stones in the decoration of the breastplate has been found in its probable size we are told that when folded it measured a span in each direction and this would indicate that its length and breadth were each from eight to nine inches in this case the stones themselves might have measured two by two and a half inches and in view of the number of characters required to express some of the tribal names these dimensions do not seem excessive it is highly improbable that in the time of moses precious stones like the ruby the emerald or the sapphire would have been available in these dimensions the difficulty of engraving very hard stones with the appliances at the command of the hebrews of this period must also be taken into consideration as we shall see however there is good reason to believe that after the babylonian captivity a new breastplate was made and at that time it may have been easier to secure and work precious stones of great value and a high degree of hardness we must also bear in mind that in those periods perfection was not so great a requisite as rich color in his commentary on exodus chapter twenty eight cornelius a lapide cornelius van den steen discusses the question of the diamond in the high priest's breastplate in the first place he notes that the diamond was very costly and that a large stone could have been needed to bear the name of judah or that of any other tribe he considers that a stone of the requisite size would have cost a hundred thousand gold crowns and he asks whence could the poor hebrews have obtained such a sum of money and where could they have found such a diamond he proceeds to give still another reason for doubting that the diamond was in the breastplate namely that it would have marked too great a distinction between the tribes the result being that the tribe to which the diamond was assigned would have been puffed up with pride while the others would have been filled with hatred and envy for the diamond is the queen gem of all the gems the use of the breastplate to reveal the guilt of an offender is testified to in a samaritan version of the book of joshua which has been discovered by dr moses gaster chief rabbi of the spanish and portuguese jews in england according to this version Achan steals a golden image from a heathen temple in jericho the high priest's breastplate reveals his guilt for the stones lose their light and grow dim when his name is pronounced many conjectures have been made as to the origin of the breastplate with the mystic urim and thummim enclosed within it that an egyptian origin should be sought seems most probable a breast ornament worn by the high priest of memphis as figured in an egyptian relief consists of twelve small balls or crosses intended to represent egyptian hieroglyphs as it cannot be determined that these figures were cut from precious stones the only definite connection with the hebrew ornament is the number of the figures this suggests but fails to prove a common origin the monuments show that the high priest of memphis wore this ornament as early as the fourth dynasty or approximately four thousand b c of the urim and thummim the mysterious oracle of the ancient hebrews saint augustine three fifty four to four fifty a d after acknowledging the great difficulty of interpreting the meaning of the words and the character of the oracle 
adds that some believe the words to signify a single stone which changed color according as the answer was favorable or unfavorable while the priest was entering the sanctuary still he thought it possible that merely the letters of the words urim and thummim were inscribed upon the breastplate after the capture of jerusalem by titus in seventy a d the treasures of the temple were carried off to rome and we learn from josephus that the breastplate was deposited in the temple of concord which had been erected by vespasian here it is believed to have been at the time of the sacking of rome by the vandals under genseric in four fifty five although rev c w king thinks it is not improbable that alaric king of the visigoths when he sacked rome in four ten a d might have secured this treasure however the express statement of procopius that the vessels of the jews were carried through the streets of constantinople on the occasion of the vandalic triumph of belisarius in five thirty four may be taken as a confirmation of the conjecture that the vandals had secured possession of the breastplate and its jewels it must however be carefully noted that procopius nowhere mentions the breastplate and that it need not have been included among the vessels of the jews it appears that this part of the spoils of belisarius was placed by justinian four eighty three to five sixty five in the sacristy of the church of st sophia some time later the emperor is said to have heard of the saying of a certain jew to that effect that until the treasures of the temple were restored to jerusalem they would bring misfortune upon any place where they might be kept if this story be true justinian may have felt that the fate of rome was a lesson for him and that constantinople must be saved from a light disaster moved by such considerations he is said to have sent the sacred vessels to jerusalem and they were placed in the church of the holy sepulchre this brings us to the two last events which can be even plausibly connected with the mystic twelve gems namely the capture and sack of jerusalem by the sassanian persian king khusrau the second in six fifteen and the overthrow of the sassanian empire by the mohammedan arabs and the capture and sack of Ctesiphon in six thirty seven if we admit that khusrau took the sacred relics of the temple with him to persia we may be reasonably sure that they were included among the spoils secured by the arab conquerors although king who has ingenuously endeavored to trace out the history of the breastplate jewels after the fall of jerusalem in seventy a d believes that they may be still buried in some unknown treasure chamber of one of the old persian capitals a fact which has generally been overlooked by those who have embarked on the sea of conjecture relative to the fate of the breastplate stones is that a large jewish contingent numbering about twenty six thousand men form part of the force with which the sansanian persians captured jerusalem and they might well lay claim to any jewish vessels or jewels that may have been secured by the conquerors in this case however it is still probable that these precious objects fell into the hands of the mohammedans who captured jerusalem in the same year in which they took Tesaphon. one circumstance which may have contributed to the preservation of these stones in their original form after they fell into the hands of the romans is the fact that each one was engraved with the name of one of the jewish tribes the inscription being probably in the older form of hebrew writing which was used in the coinage even as late as the last revolt in one thirty seven a d hence recutting would have been necessary to fit them for use as ornaments a process not easily accomplished and involving a great loss of size 
we must also bear in mind that the intrinsic value of the gems may not have been so great as many suppose since all of them were probably of the less perfect forms of the precious and semi-precious varieties it is very likely that the enthusiastic statements of josephus in this connection were dictated by national pride or arose from the tendency to exaggerate so common among the oriental writers certainly if the breastplate known to josephus was made not long after the return of the jews from the babylonian captivity their financial resources at the time of its fabrication were quite restricted admitting as a possibility that the arabs may have secured possession of the breastplate how would they have regarded it the heroes of the old testament and especially moses were such sacred personalities in the eyes of the mohammedans that this relic would have been as precious for them as for us however the victorious arabs who overran the sassanian empire although filled with religious zeal were no students of archaeology and would have been quite unable to decipher the strange characters engraved on the stones they would most probably have supposed them to be persian characters and would therefore have valued these stones no higher than others in the persian treasure this can serve as an explanation of the fact that no allusion to the breastplate with its ornament can be found in the works of those mohammedan writers such as tabari who treat of the overthrow of the sassanian empire we may be sure that the persians themselves would have accorded no special honor to objects connected with the hebrew religion since their own zoroastrian faith had no connection with it End of chapter 8, part 1.